is Grey Matters, starting when this gets silent. Well, it sounds like silence. So welcome to another edition of Grey Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. And we can talk about Mitt Romney's foreign policy trip to burnish his credentials. How ironic that that word was actually used in a story that appeared, I think, in Wednesday's New York Times following a somewhat mindless speech that he gave to the VFW before going over to London and committing gaffe after gaffe. Um, Maureen Dowd, by the way, has a one of her better columns of the year regarding this uh, disaster. Uh, of course, he critiqued the Olympics preparation and all that, I guess in a sort of backhanded theory that uh, because he ran the Olympics back in Salt Lake City, that's uh, still a matter of controversy regarding his uh, financial records and whatnot, that he would take some cheap shots. He mentioned Anglo-Saxon values. Um, he's over in Israel today uh, calling Jerusalem the capital and uh, making some amazing comments uh, regarding the uh, reason that the per capita income is higher in Israel than uh, in, in the occupied territories. That's, That's not too much of a head-scratcher. Based on uh, his uh, strange racial theories not uh, and religious theories, not uh, uh, actual facts on the ground like the 67 war and whatnot but uh yeah mitt romney uh according to maureen dowd is uh, being called by the te- uh, daily telegraph he came across like a wazak the daily telegraph called him using a british insult for daft know-it-all and uh the london conservative papers have uh as she put it ooze scorn mayor boris johnson mocked a guy called Mitt Romney. Prime Minister David Cameron suggested it was easier to run the Olympics in the middle of nowhere. Fleet Street spanked Nowhere Man and Mitt the Twit. So I hope on his uh, way back to uh, the United States, following a trip to Poland, where uh, I guess he won't order any Russian vodka there, but uh, that wouldn't surprise me, although he doesn't drink. Uh, it's it's actually amusing, too, that uh, she even makes a little uh, dig at uh, Ann Romney's mayor, who's uh, competing in horse ballet, the name of the mayor, Ralph Falca. So uh, Romney's, uh, this has just been a complete disaster for the guy. Luckily for him, nobody's paying attention. They're watching the Olympics <laughs> right. and trying to stay cool with the continuing heat wave. Which, you know, is uh, it's sort of the, the dog days of summer. Uh, really, the campaigns should take a break at this point. We've been, as you know, citizens, as potential voters, even just as casual observers of uh, broadcast television or cable television, God, it goes on too long. The yeah. campaign is so relentlessly long that, uh, yeah, as you're saying, most people aren't paying attention. Uh, the Olympics are a welcome uh, diversion. But uh, 
Yeah, Mitt reveals himself as the upper class twit. Oh, I can see the Monty Python. Oh, chin's in. Uh, yeah, he should uh, go back and compete with the Monty Python cast in the uh, Twit Olympics. Upper class twit of the year Olympics, indeed. Uh, <laughs> sure, he'd uh, find a few stumbling blocks there. Uh, Stephen Colbert had the best uh, line on the middle of nowhere thing was uh, an attempt to correct the British by saying that Salt Lake City is actually in the northwest corner of the middle of nowhere. So, um, yeah, London's a pretty busy, crowded, uh, one of the busiest, most crowded cities in the world. So uh, logistically, it's rather a different thing altogether. But what's really remarkable about Romney's uh, little trips and visits abroad is not so much the gaffes. He does that wherever he goes. But it's very unusual for a presidential candidate to fundraise on foreign soil. Yeah, that is remarkable. That is very strange, and it's really a first. Uh, of course, he's very careful to uh, not be seen as being critical of U.S. foreign policy while standing on foreign soil. He's even gone so far as to make that explicitly clear by saying just that. Uh, but yet, in uh, London, uh, I'm reading now from an AP article, uh, Free Press News Services uh Friday's paper, Romney faced scrutiny for a London fundraiser Thursday night that is expected to attract employees of Barclays, which has been in the spotlight after becoming the first bank to admit its employees were involved in manipulation of a key market index. Of course, that's the LIBOR thing that we haven't heard the uh, end of, certainly. So he's fundraising there. Uh, he also has a, a fundraiser in Israel that sort of... Uh, backfired a little bit because the uh, high-dollar uh, fundraiser dinner originally planned for Sunday morphed after criticism, according to Jody Redorn in the Saturday's New York Times, uh, morphed after criticism into a Monday breakfast. Uh, but this fundraiser uh, is expected uh, to garnish 20 to 30 people paying $50,000 per couple mm -hmm. for the event. But what's really striking is where it's at, at the posh King David Hotel, which, of course, serious uh, scholars of the Mideast will tell you that that was the hotel that the guys who went on to found the Likud party blew up as terrorists, killing dozens of British soldiers. Well, he's had all sorts of other bizarre... And civilians. Yeah, well, and he's just had other bizarre assertions in the last couple of weeks. In fact, I'm starting to wonder... If Mitt has Lyme's disease, uh, my advice to him is go visit Pussy Riot in uh, jail in, in, in Russia. Since he declared that Russia is our number one foe now, uh, this would come as news to uh, most people. Well, rock and roll would be another one of uh, his foes, his imaginary foes of America. And, of course, Pussy Riot are a rock band who've taken a political stance for women's rights. And, and they're in they're, jail. They've been thrown in jail, exactly. Uh, for basically critiquing... Uh, well, using the venue of the Russian Orthodox Church to critique Vladimir Putin. Um, he had some strange comments about China a couple of days ago, how he would get tough with China. I'm not too sure where he's going with that one. Uh, everybody running for president says they're going to get tough with China, and then it sort of... What does that even mean, really, when... <laughs> well, it, it, it devolves back into reality. Right. Uh, they're it's just uh, window dressing, financing, chin music. Financing quite a bit of our debt. Right. And uh, actually, if Romney would look up the facts, China's one of the major uh, um, actual 
providers of capital for reinvestment here in the United States. Um, for the record, they're buying up a good chunk of downtown Toledo. Hmm. If you haven't, if you uh, hadn't uh, been paying attention to that developing story, the land's cheap, and uh, they're well getting... as this is uh, farmland in Africa. The China's buying yeah. up huge quantities of land in uh, the Sudan, for example, but as well as other countries. China's like investment pro- uh, projects in America are actually quite noticeable and and growing. So I, I'm like I say, I I don't exactly know where Mitt's going with any of this. You know, the mainstream intelligence. Uh, report that was issued back in February of uh, earlier this year by the uh, so-called, uh, by James Clapper, the uh, director of national intelligence. Don't know if he's a fan of uh, Pussy Riot, but he might be. Yeah, we're just being told uh, by uh, Will here in the studio that uh, Milan, Michigan is also, uh, land is being bought by China in Milan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Michigan so. has some uh, areas that China's quote unquote investing in. But uh, what's interesting. Michigan's prime turf. Prime turf. And uh, the annual intelligence report uh, lists Iran and quote cyber attacks as the leading concerns of America at this point. I think that's the mainstream uh, view of it. I personally think it uh, the real threats to. Uh, uh, global security and whatnot are, are the continuing problems with food production, drought, uh, global warming, uh, the, these these sorts of things. And, of course, we've seen amazing events in Syria over the last couple of weeks. Hundreds of thousands Rapidly, of... Rapidly uh, devolving. Yeah, hundreds of thousands of uh, refugees fleeing to Jordan and Turkey. Um, uh, an example of, once again, America just not really getting it, not understanding what's going on. Uh, the events in Syria are far more complicated than the media is uh, p- projecting. Uh, this is a almost become a proxy civil war. Well, fighting spilling over into Palestinian refugee camps yeah. uh, in several spots uh, in Syria. And, of course, they're refugees, so they, they're trying to stay neutral. And, uh, but when the fighting comes into your neighborhood... And, of course, there was a story just this past week that al-Qaeda uh, in Iraq is now infiltrating across the Syrian border. Um, once again, the uh, neoconservative um, utopia in the Middle East of ma- remaking the Middle East doesn't seem to be materializing terribly well. Um, and, of course, the Syrian war really at this point is more uh, of, of a proxy situation in which the... Uh, Qataris, Saudis, Turks mm-hmm. are really fighting Iraq and Iran. Essentially. Um, with America on the side of Iraq and Iran. So go figure that all out. That's why Obama has actually been smart to stay out of the Syrian conflict. Well, it's interesting. That, you know, and avoided so- the advice of McCain and Lindsey Graham and others that we're urging that we get right. and, I actively mean, Israel can only uh, nervously look on or... It too is possibly a player behind the scenes in some level. Yeah, and and of course Israel is is probably more nervous about the fall of uh, 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 Bashir Assad than than the continuing carnage that's going on there. Um, that's what most experts on on the uh, uh, Israeli viewpoint of the situation really is is where that's at. So I don't know if uh, Mitt Romney's made any comments about. Uh, that situation. Well, if he names John McCain to be a key cabinet position, well, then we know where we'll be. Yeah, he'll be in charge of the big board. 
John McCain in charge of the big board. But he'll see the big board. Yeah. Uh, just an, another update, by the way. We were talking extensively last week about the situation in Colorado. And uh, I found out from um, Wednesday's, uh, the July 25th edition of the New York Times by Ethan Broner regarding the um, assault uh, ammunition magazines. They were banned across the country from 1994 to 2004 by federal law. Before 1986, change in the law, ammunition could not be sent by mail. I think that's one of the first things they've got to look at. And then what's interesting is uh, they talk uh, further down in the article about the effectiveness of gun control uh, based on studies uh, across the board. Um, it's interesting, uh, Ethan Broner writes, what can be asserted is that the states with the strictest gun laws, Hawaii, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, have among the lowest gun death rates. According to figures from the Centers for Disease Prevention and Control. And Talk this, about preventable disease. And the state with the most lenient laws, Alabama, Alaska, Louisiana, Mississippi, have the highest. Empirical evidence, who needs it? Freedom's at stake. <laughs> Indeed. All Obama has to do is mention that he's in favor of uh, gun control on assault rifles, which were also illegal up until uh, 2004. And, oh no, the Constitution is under attack. But uh, what might have been under attack, uh, well, there was damn near another uh, lunatic shooting in the Maryland suburbs of Washington where a guy declared himself to be a joker who wanted to kill everybody going to load my guns and blow everybody up. This is from uh, Saturday's New York Times. Uh, suspicious talk in an office place. Uh, I guess the guy was about to be fired. Gee, I don't know why. He sounds like a perfectly wonderful fellow. Uh, when police uh, went to his residence in nearby Anne Arundel County, they found him wearing a T-shirt with the slogan, Guns Don't Kill People, I Do. And a search of the residence found 25 guns, including semiotic weapons, Hundreds of rounds of ammunition. Pictures on display in the paper. No honest, legitimate sportsman can tell you that there's any practical use for these weapons uh, beyond the battlefield. Uh, I actually, while shopping this week at Kroger's, a fine family institution where you cannot buy Playboy, Penthouse, or any other magazines of the flesh. Not that I'm shopping there for that, but uh, just as a matter of fact. But you can buy uh, four or five different weapons magazines. And so I bought a little number called the Gun Buyer's Annual Presents Special Weapons, Military and Police. And the ads are really what's fascinating in here. I haven't finished going through the entire magazine because it's somewhat disturbing to me. I have fired weapons before. I have friends who are hunters. I've been to shooting ranges. I've shot guns. Uh, but these ads really are appealing to... Uh, Fear and the penisless. Yeah, the insecure white male. Yeah. I mean, the first one, the inside front cover ad is serious trust, confidence to live your life. And it's got three guys running with Glocks while two guys in the background uh, look on smilingly and checking their cell phones. And, of course, a Glock is one of the weapons that the dude had in the theater. Why does anyone need a Glock? Well, if they're going to kill a bunch of people, that's the only practical reason to have one. Why does anyone need one outside of a soldier? Or a state trooper. 
Yeah, and there was, and I didn't bring this article in, but there was a very good piece in the editorial section of the New York Times last week from a retired Chicago uh, police officer who discussed uh, the use, you know, he's he's had to draw his weapon a couple of times, and he pretty much put Louis Gohmert back to bed. Indeed. Or in the rest home where he needs... Well, and to visit quickly and in about the difficulty uh, of, of, of actually the theory of somebody in under those circumstances, quote, packing a weapon that would have somehow um, prevented the mayhem, remedied the situation. Yeah. Just he just dismissed it as absurd. Yeah. And, you know, shockingly, gun sales have gone up in the wake of this shooting and people again, it's fear. And they think, well, I don't want that to happen to me. I want to be able to defend my family and friends and so forth. But really, that's just a step backwards, evolutionarily speaking, and uh, a return to the days of the Wild West where you might get shot wherever you go, so you better be ready to do some shooting yourself. Uh, that's not civilization. That's madness. That's, uh, that's insanity. And uh, it's, it's ridiculous that people would feel more comfortable in the, that scenario. It's, it's just wrong. There's not more security there. Not more security, for sure. And it's, you know, it's sad, too, by the way, that with a lot of the states that have stricter laws, that many of the laws that are used, or many of the guns that are used, are actually imported from lenient states. Huh. There's been a huge linkage. Uh, Mayor Bloomberg is occasionally correct about a few things, and this is one of them. Uh, he's talked extensively about the problems with uh, out-state uh, weaponry coming into New York that's uh, basically in violation of their laws. Um, it's interesting, too, uh, just another uh, publication uh, to refer to. Daniel W. Webster, co-director of the John Hopkins Center for Gun Policy and Research in Baltimore, still believes that laws in a number of states have proved themselves he published a, a widely cited study in 2009 that found that states with strong gun dealer regulations and oversight, as well as tight sales permits, had less diversion of guns to criminals. Yeah. There you go. Well, I uh, guess we've talked about Syria. Um, Mitt Romney, is he a unicorn or a Wazik? <laughs> That remains to be oh, remains to be seen. Remains Uppercast to be seen. Tweet. Uppercast tweet. What will he say in Poland? That's the that, well. That's the big. Uh, that's the final shoe to drop, right? <laughs> and why is he visiting Poland exactly? Um, I I don't know. I guess it's sort of it's red meat stuff for uh, conservatives. Michelle Bachman, of course, has been in the news extensively over the last couple of weeks because she's claiming that uh, Hillary Clinton's top advisor. And I'm drawing a blank on her name, but she's actually married to uh, Anthony Weiner. Uh, she's been a... Oh, right, right. She grew up in Michigan, uh, has a Muslim-sounding name, and, and claims that the, uh, it, it, the Obama administration is following the policy of the Muslim Brotherhood. Right. That we are behind the, the fact that uh, Morsi's taken over in uh, Egypt... Uh, ignoring the fact that Egypt is still effectively run by the military and Morsi's basically a figurehead. The power in Egypt is still in the hands of the military, according to most experts. But Michelle Bachman won't back down, and I guess Newt Gingrich has gotten into the fray. No surprise there. He sort of hints around that questions have been raised. Uh, classic uh, McCarthyism. 
But I'm reminded, of course, uh, last year when Michelle Bachman was uh, running for president still and had won the Iowa straw poll. Remember those carefree days, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> when she was the front runner, sort of, or the, the, the early, pretender. Early front runner. The, the one that was challenging Mitt Romney, so um, I don't think Mitt Romney was too worried about Michelle Bachman. But following the uh, hurricane that hit the Northeast, um, called uh, Hurricane Irene, Michelle Bachman uh, was doing her own damage control. This is from the uh, August 30th of 2011 from a Florida political rally in which she suggested that recent natural disasters were God's way of sending a message to Washington. Quote, I don't know how much God has to do to get the attention of the politicians, Mrs. Bachman uh, told a group of residents of Florida's Gulf Coast on Sunday. We've had an earthquake. We've had a hurricane. And there was an earthquake in the east last uh, summer, if you'll recall. Are you going to start listening to me here? Listen to the American people? Because the American people are roaring right now. <laughs> well, did, did God send that earthquake, or did the American people manifest it as a wail of their frustration? Uh, well, <laughs> she'll get her own cartoon one of these days. I can just see her as a Saturday morning cartoon. Well, she's definitely yeah. Well, she's definitely not on Mitt Romney's short list uh, for VP. She's um, on something though. She's on a short list for probably leaving Congress, though she somehow manages to get reelected in that Minnesota suburb that she represents. Uh, they need to check the water there. <laughs> a lot of lead paint. I don't know if there's Lyme's disease uh, going on in that neighborhood, but uh, no, she's a supposedly uh, going to face great difficulty uh, getting reelected because she's uh, in need of a checkup. Well, uh, we'll see if her husband does any campaigning for her. But she's got that Swiss citizenship uh, thing going. To fall back on. Yeah. Nice to have the old dual citizenship. Uh. So once she was exposed to involved in being involved with that, uh, well... And, of course, you know, Romney had some other backhand comments. He attacked uh, 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 Obama last week before leaving. His VFW speech was, was, I thought, one of the most hideous things I've heard in quite a while. But he, of course, uh, asserted that the security leaks were a deliberate uh, attempt by Obama to burnish his foreign policy credentials. Never mind that they're being investigated. Whatever. He says that they betray our soldiers. And, of course, that's the VFW convention that he addressed last week, right. and uh, Obama addressed it later. Well, I've never heard... Do you know anything about the National Intelligence Council? Uh, no, but it sounds like a Washington think tank to Doesn't me. Doesn't it, though? Yeah. It's, an Aspen, uh, it's a bizarre article. It just seems ludicrous on its face. I'll just throw it out here. As we uh, reach the final five minutes of the program today. But Kimberly Dozier, the AP, U.S. analysts see poverty nearly gone across the planet by 2030. Whoa, magic. This sounds like a great thing. Uh, the poverty across the planet will be virtually eliminated by 2030 with a rising middle class. Two billion people pushing for more rights and demanding more resources. 
chief of the top U.S. intelligence analysis organization, said Saturday. Well, gee, I would think that the top U.S. intelligence analysis organization would be a government organization, an official body of some sort, whether it's the FBI, CIA, NSA, what have you. But no, according to this article, it's the National Intelligence Council, whose global forecast at the Aspen Security Forum in Colorado found that if current trends continue, the one billion people who currently live on less than a dollar a day will drop to half that number in roughly two decades. Does that mean that they will die? I don't know, but I suspect that that's part of the grand plan. Uh, quote, even if some of the most dire predictions of economic upheaval in the coming years prove accurate, the Intelligence Council sees that several hundred million people will be entering the middle class. Well, that's probably technically true, but of course it ignores the fact that the planet's adding 80 million people per year. I think it also uh, belies the fact that what the, that also means is that the middle class is sliding down. And there's still 2 billion people in the world that live on less than $2 a day currently, so I think she's off on her numbers there. Um, you know, uh, China and India still have, well, things have definitely improved in both countries uh, in many respects, uh, they still have massive quantities of people that don't get enough food. You take, uh, you know, the, the drought this year here in the United States, that's pretty much wiping out the soybean and corn uh, production. That's Most of that's affect, to feed Yeah, but that's going to affect meat, yeah. dairy, egg prices are all going to be uh, sky high. Water uh, is a major uh, resource under stress worldwide, and... Uh, the art finding of this committee does uh, state that nearly 50% of humanity will live in water-stressed regions by 2030. So I guess maybe that's how the uh, 1 billion people who live on less than a dollar a day will drop to half that number because <laughs> the places where they live will be gone. Well, they'll drop dead. I mean, there was a they will be gone. There was a story just last week about uh, ten poverty's over. They died. Ten, ten, yeah, <laughs> ten inmates in in Texas that died uh, last year during the the heat wave in prison because the temperatures in these cells got up uh, mm -hmm. over 105 degrees and they died. Um, maybe that's the that's the key, <laughs> the plan here. Um, you know, dying of thirst and, and heat, uh, you know, getting overcome by heat. Um, yeah, I am very suspicious of... That's quite a rosy scenario they paint. It sounds like a, sort of a Chamber of Commerce-friendly view of uh, a, a magical candy land. Well, in India, you know, it's interesting. I just read recently that they have surpassed Japan now in, in auto... Um, sales. Mm. They've gone over 5 million. They now are second in Asia, uh, I believe third globally now. But India's got over a billion people, so you got to put that in perspective. And more and more of them want air conditioning. More and more of them want air conditioning, and these, uh, you know, India's got their own problems with uh, some, some severe weather uh, mm -hmm. off and on. Major yeah. flooding in Pakistan last year. A couple years ago, a quarter yeah. of the country, uh, just for Mitt Romney's... Uh, Reference purposes about the size of Great Britain was pretty much looking like Lake Mead, which is another area that's receding. And uh, it, you know, it, it's troubling when a, a lot of the big picture is still just kind of getting lost uh, in in the smallness, as, as some commentators have put it, of the presidential campaign uh, in which we talk. 
a lot about these sort of minor, well, small issues. I, I don't personally don't think that the Mitt Romney uh, tax returns are so necessary, but I do think that it's important to know what Mitt Romney's been doing with his offshore investments and the, the real conflict with uh, tax collection globally. There was just a report a couple weeks ago, and I remember this uh, for the staggering numbers that... Uh, Rich people across the globe have stashed something like 20 to $25 trillion of their cash in offshore bank accounts. This is the GDP of the United States and Japan combined. Um, and these, of course, are problems that continue to beleaguer the European Union and the connection between the euro, uh, you know, the, the sluggish uh, e economic situation in Europe versus the uh, what they're going to do about the Spanish situation, the Italian situation, the Greek situation, how much money does Germany have and how much willing is it, is it willing to part with to finally solve this thing. But it's amazing that that crisis just keeps going nowhere yeah. in, 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 many, in many respects. We get flashy headlines that the thing's been solved, and it really hasn't. There seems to be a lot of... Uh, tangential discussions going on about what's really going on over there with that. Interesting to hear that uh, Geithner is back over there to try and get a, uh, you know, a, a final deal hammered out. But uh, what the deal is going to be and how it's going to work still is a mystery. Um, the medicine is worse than the disease. So uh, let Michelle Bachman pray for you. <laughs> Yes, representing all the American people as she, she does has ecclesiastical prayer. solutions to our problems. <laughs> Not political ones. But she knows that Obamacare is destroying America and its socialized medicine. Hardly. Well, we're nearing the end of the uh, hour. I'm not sure if we're down the hall and ready to go yet. Uh, Yazoo City Calling is uh, typically found uh, at this time. Here on WCBN FM Ann Arbor, you're still listening to Gray Matters. And thanks to Cameron for engineering this evening. Of course, at one point I did want to read the humorous 40th anniversary of a. Oh yes, we continue to acknowledge the uh, exciting 40th anniversary of Watergate. Infamous uh, uh, discussions that were going on 40 years ago this summer between President Nixon and all the president's men. Um, on the 19th of uh, July, 1972, and this is sort of amusing. I guess I'll preface this by stating that in the new uh, uh, Folsom book, uh, Nixon's, Nixon's Darkest, Darkest Secrets, Secret. um, he reports about the interesting relationship between Richard Nixon and B.B. Rebozo, that they were that they were swimming pals and that they used to frolic around in the pool together. Wrestling in the pool with B.B. Playing with those flotation devices and probably they... Oh, oh, oh. Come here, B.B., you big crazy guy, you. And Nixon apparently was Water into, polo. into dunking, <laughs> sneaking up from behind and dunking B.B. So you can just picture Nixon and B.B. Uh, fooling around in the pool with some highballs on the side. No doubt. Well, anyway, on the 19th of uh, July, uh, the president, in a discussion with Ehrlichman, is getting a sort of an update about Watergate. He says, give me an update on Watergate. Where does it stand? What's the next move? 
Ehrlichman says, well, I don't know. I talked to Dean this morning, and Bob talked to Mitchell. I don't know what's transpired, but he sent Dean over to talk to Mitchell. And there's something cooking this morning, and I haven't been in on it. I have had some other things going, so I don't know what the latest is. My conclusion is that from yesterday, Dean came up here planning a brief to send to you all, and my conclusion is that this little scenario that they've dreamed up 